Oh, thanks for having me. I'm Steve Brown, and happy to join you guys again. The famous Steve Brown. I mean, there, there's videos about you now, right? <laughs> there, there is, there are, and um, probably a kind of a big fish, small pond. But uh, yeah, I think guy. you guys saw the TikTok that uh, Arnie Toman posted. Oh, yeah, yeah, it has like yeah. 1.1 million views, and. So, uh, one of the kids had to tell me, you need to go get TikTok. What's your residual for that? Zero. No, Zero. I'm sure it's not big money. But in you're that. internet famous. It yeah, has to yeah. be worth something. Dude, with, with one about, million views on TikTok is, yeah. worth, is worth like 13 teenage girls. I mean, yeah. That's a, yeah. I'm, I'm like well known with about 25 people in the U.S. that think this is interesting. All right, if you don't know Steve, Steve was on episode 35, and uh, we'll get into it here in a few minutes, but – he is famous in our small circles here, and I say worldwide now at this point, yeah. for his run on the uh, the old Spanish trail or the transcontinental trail yeah. uh, in his Chevy truck. And we'll get into all this stuff. But uh, we'd met Steve at Cars and Coffee ooh, probably 18 months ago or a year ago, somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah, er- early early last year. Yeah, I guess. so uh, we we're happy to have him on episode 35, and I really do recommend you go back to episode 35. I actually had a Patreon pre-show for that episode, and I released that one after his last run. So you can listen to the pre-show, and you can listen to episode 35, and get all caught up on everything about Steve Brown. Well, maybe not everything. I mean, a lot. <laughs> there's there's quite a bit. And we're going to learn a whole lot more about you tonight here, yeah. Steve, because <laughs> you don't sit still very long. That's one thing I, I do admire about you is, is you, you, you get bored, so you just yeah. do cool stuff over and over. Yeah, but if you don't know, if this is your first time listening to the show, yeah. I, just, I want to introduce a few people here. Yeah, let's do it. Can, can I give you an introduction? Darryl? Sure, yeah, absolutely. All right. My co-host, Daryl Scott, if you don't know, he's known as a quad four apologist. That's true. He has a long-storied history with his love for Chevy. <laughs> Was it nature? Was it nurture? Only mom and dad know for sure. Uppercase or lowercase, he's got a GM logo tattooed somewhere on his body. That's right. Tune in next week to find out where. Ooh, scandalous, scandalous. Yeah, and the whole logo thing. That's, that was big news. <laughs> like the way I threw that in Thank there? you. Yeah. yeah. Eric, topical introduction. Yes, Appreciate that. Yeah. All right. And for those of you who don't know my co-host, this man's New Year's resolution was to do it all. He's con- conquered North America by air, by land, by sea. With no Wisconsin cheese freeze rally this year, well, maybe it's time for an Antarctic expedition Mm. or maybe an Icelandic Baja run. What do you think? The man who's as cold as ice because he's just so freaking cool. He's Eric Stahl. Man, man. Makes me tingly. Thank you. No tats for this guy, though. No, no tats. All right, so I did write up a little intro for Steve here, so uh, hang on to your wigs and keys. (laughs) (laughs) Steve Brown, uh, he has a mind that won't rest. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. You might be, Steve, because it's your head I'm talking about. (laughs) He sleeps at night dreaming dreams of pulling into Redondo Beach surrounded by scantily clad bikini babes with fair faucet hair. 
And when he wakes, he's a man on a mission, a mission to get a brown GMC across the USA in one sitting, hopefully hitting California coast with a record time and his time machine set to 1981. That's Steve Brown. Oh, well, thank you for having me. And the, the dream remains a dream. There was no <laughs> bikini-clad, you know, fair no? faucet types at the oh, Portofino at can, 2 in the morning. You could probably pay for some <laughs> cosplay girls to be out there, right? I could probably write the check, yeah. It, it would probably work out. So that begs the question, what was walking around without a beach at 2 in the morning? Or maybe was, that's that's for the pre-show. We probably yeah, it, was, it was kind of sketchy, <laughs> was yeah, it? To, to, to be honest with you. And, uh, you know, not to... To go too deep into the the run story, the conclusion, but, yeah, 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 yeah. But there's this scene of kind of spilling out of the truck, and a security <laughs> guard, Gus says, "Can I help you?" And I stumble up and say, "Yes, I have a reservation at the hotel." And it was <laughs> just, just a, a dazed and confused guy yeah, rolling disaster. out of his truck. All right, yeah. so we're gonna get into that. Yeah, no so, Farrah Fawcett, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. So the reason we had Steve back was because of um, what. Uh, Two months ago, three months ago, what? What you made another run, another pass at it? Uh, October, yeah, October tenth. Okay, so in October he went back at it, but during October we were kind of strapped with COVID stuff. Nobody wanted to talk to each other. Nobody wanted to shake hands or do anything. So um, we didn't do a show, but we we watched. We watched everything. Steve gave us the, the keys, and uh, we were able to go online yeah. and watch the trip across the country. So uh, this is our catch up. We're going to talk a little bit about that run, and just so you, if you don't know, like I said, go back to episode thirty five, but. You did the run, like we said, across the country, and that, after I met you at Cars and Coffee, uh, you were you have record holder like written on the side of your truck. What exactly had you done when I first met you? Yeah, so in March of last year, I had made a coast to coast run uh, that's called the Transcontinental Route or the Old Spanish Trail Route, and that's Jacksonville, Florida to San Diego, California. It's the shortest uh, mileage across the continental U.S. And so in, you know, transcontinental racing or cannonball communities, that's kind of a known route. A little bit of a, a more junior route. It's about 450 miles. Junior route. Training wheel route. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I had learned about that and decided to make that run. But I had run it in 27 hours, 13 minutes. And because I did that solo by myself, that became a solo record for that route. Awesome. That's pretty cool. So when I met you at Cars and Coffee, you had the uh, – did you have a cannonball sign in front? I, yeah, you did. You had the cannonball I sign did, yeah, like yeah, propped yeah. up on the bumper, mm -hmm. but then you had the decals and everything already made up on the yep. side with the yeah, time yeah, and yeah. all that. So, And that was your first run out of the box as far as uh, transcontinental anything. I mean you've, you've, yes. you've done some practice runs prior to that, but that was, that was your first attempt, suit up, get in the truck. Weight it down with fuel and and let it rip. Yeah, absolutely. I'd watch. I, I was became a pretty big uh, fan of the Vinwiki YouTube channel, and so a lot of that content is kind of cannonball related. And there was a gentleman named David Simpson that had a video on Vinwiki, and he talked about his solo run, and he was the current record holder uh, at the time. And so on, you on know, that same route, on that same route, okay. and, and David went on to set some time records on the New York to L.A. cannonball route as well. And uh, just a fantastic guy. It was super interesting, and that kind of sparked my my interest. And so, you know, when we were talking before, you know, went into a lot of that detail about reaching out to David and asking questions and all the bar talk that gets out of control and <laughs> giant fuel cells and pickup trucks oh, yeah. and all this. And it just kind of spun out of control. And, you know, that was in November of the of year before last, and then flash forward to March, you're sitting by, in front of a sand dune in Jacksonville, pointed west, and you go. So, but, uh, that's four months. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it was pretty designed pretty, to, yeah. you know, concept, design. You were messing around prep. at that point because you had built a custom tank for the truck. Yeah, I'd worked with uh, Bessler Welding yeah. here in Peoria and had a custom spec-built uh, fuel cell for the bed of the truck at 213 gallons. And, yeah. the, and the truck was gone through top to bottom? Yeah. Um, a good friend of mine, Steve Peterson, he owns Steve's Automotive in Bartonville, and he's a GM master technician. And so, you know, we you kind of go through this process of waiting for somebody to tell you no. And I distinctly remember going to Steve's shop and, and asking him, can this truck run at full payload, you know, at 100 miles an hour for 28 hours? And Steve just goes, yeah. It's GM designed it that way. That's within specs, yeah. you know. And it's a good so, friend to have, by the yeah, way. Yeah, great yeah, great friend. And yeah. and so then he wish I knew some technicians. Yeah, he did the full <laughs> bumper to bumper, you know, prep for the the truck, you know, and and so it, it basically needed you know a hundred thousand mile service. Did a um, some stuff we talked about in the previous episode about airbags to make sure you know the mm-hmm. ride height was correct. Um, countermeasures, you know, so uh, radar detector. Uh, police scanner, CB radio, different satellite tracking devices. So, for people who don't know, I, one of the one of the biggest things, the inspiration for this has been the fact that traffic was so reduced. When you did it in March of last year, COVID had really was was grabbing a hold, and traffic patterns had dropped. And so, we, yeah. we watched a lot of people make these runs. Yeah, and and that's that's when you jumped in, right? Yeah, it was kind of really weird because I'd made the decision to go. You know, probably October, September, October before, the, before yeah, okay. the, the previous year. So I was, I had picked um, that date in March based off of a whole bunch of different factors that that we had covered before. Okay, you know, spring break times for schools in the area, weather, different things. So I I had picked that date around Christmas um, of the year prior. And so when I was getting ready to make the run, I remember calling David Simpson, and and I think. When I made my run, California announced that it was going to close on Monday. You know that they were prepping to start to, like to close or going to shut down. Lockdown. It means yeah, chips yeah. is like on the border yeah. of Nevada. Well, and that's what you didn't know, right? Now, what we know sure. in the world yeah. today yeah. is lockdown means something completely yeah. different. Bars yeah. and restaurants I mean, are closed. Means you can't and, go into Ross. But this yeah. was completely <laughs> mysterious at the time, and I remember calling David. You know, going, man, what do you think? Like, what am I going to hit? Because California was one of the first states to announce. Right. And so, um, you know, I'm kind of thinking, what do you, th- what do you think is going to happen? And Dave was like, hell, just go, you know, and, and see. And it turned out to be a non-event. I remember waking up the next morning and the beach was full of people and you wouldn't have known. It was literally day one. Sure. So, um, March, um, is the, yeah, but, March 25th. But to your point, yeah, like I, I kind of got lucky because, you know, it was, it was right as the COVID deal was happening but within the cannonball community, you know, it was a hot topic for a while because people were saying, look, this is the time to go. Traffic, by the time you got into April and May, traffic started dying off. You know, it really started to go into a lockdown. And so there was kind of this back and forth in the community that said, this is the time to go. And other voices saying, ah, it's probably not a good time to go. You don't know, you know, what the world's going to look like, you know, from a traffic perspective or more so from a law enforcement perspective mm, yeah. and then just the the top blew off the bottle yeah. and and really um well thought out well prepared teams started to make runs you know through the the late spring and probably kind of maybe into early summer i think pro tip i mean if you get pulled over by a cop during covid you just start hacking up a lung when they walk up <laughs> it's probably probably <laughs> yeah. not advised yeah, yeah, by yeah. your attorney but <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> i think i got a fever <laughs> 
<laughs> Sir, be, see, be along your way, please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's interesting because you know I think I I don't think you know we talk about what we now term kind of COVID runs, and and I would argue I was at the very cusp of the beginning. Yeah. But what I will say is I, I probably did have some benefit because I remember on that run I never got hit by radar. Uh, on that entire run. And, and so law enforcement was really kind of responding to, you know, unless it's something completely obnoxious, they didn't really want to engage with people. What I remember from that first interview we did where you talked about you had the one close call mm-hmm. then the whole trip. Yeah, when I ran up on the uh, Texas State yeah. Trooper in the fog, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was... yeah all of a sudden, it's just this dude appears and like, yeah. oh, turns out that's that's an LEO. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that was it, right? I mean, for the most part. There was presence. Uh, on the road, you mm-hmm. know, because I would pick up or I would see, but um, an officer in the in the median, you could tell it was presence on the road. But I, I didn't get a lot of activity relative to laser or, or radar on that run. Okay, so you make the first trip in March. It goes over fairly well. Truck does truck does good. Truck truck did okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had some trouble with the fuel system. Um, you know where the the fuel pump basically failed. It stopped pumping. I think we talked um, about that on the show. I don't know. Did we have a full grasp on that when we talked during that that last episode? It, it was it was still kind of open ended. Okay. At that. Like I didn't really understand what happened. What I knew is the transfer pump became intermittent. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd hit the button, and sometimes I could hear the pump running, or I could hear the pump pick up prime, and other times it didn't. So that was supposed to be a true nonstop run, and I ended up having to stop about five times. To throw gas oh, in the factory man. tank. Yeah. And so that's what really threw my time off. Now, luckily, I was still able to set the record, but I probably left 30 minutes on the table. And um, the way your your previous design was set up, you had your uh, bed tank, mm-hmm. your custom 213-gallon yeah, yeah. aluminum tank, feeding basically your stock truck tank. Yeah. Which then would have transfer pump, electric transfer pump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Bessler had designed that tank originally to have a lift tube uh, in it, and so then it basically had a um, fitting, and there was a Holly transfer pump. You know, basically pull and push. It was it's called a mighty might. So it'll actually pull and then push out the other side, and so then it would pull, lift through the tube, and then push it through a hole in the bed, and then actually into the factory fill mech. Okay. And then the other side of that system, because I was really concerned about vapors, you know, with that much fuel, is it vented into the same filler neck. So I was relying at the time on the truck's EVAP system to take care of any pressure or fumes that were, were coming out of the tank. Gotcha. Yeah. So you come back, you, you know, trip goes well, got a couple notes you jot down, like, hey, I might address yeah. this for next time, things yeah. like that. Yeah. What goes through your mind when you get back? Are you like, thinking of what you could have done differently or are you thinking what's the next challenge or are you like i'm too tired to think about this i'll come back in a couple months and i'll see if i still got the the, the interest in it yeah yeah because really after you kind of do it and especially once you you're able to set a time or a record you know for solo it was like great that was awesome you know i don't know what i'm going to do with this giant aluminum fuel cell <laughs> but you know that was pretty cool and then it kind of became treehouse for the grandkids yeah right <laughs> it, it kind of became cars and coffee and friday night lights yeah. you know every other week which and which i will, I will interrupt and say you are so generous with your time I, I do celebrate every time. You will talk to everybody till that thing is yeah. over. So good for you. Good on you. Yeah, and uh, you got a fair amount of publicity, right? People kind of see it. They stop. They, locally, people know what you're all about, right? It, it, with the cars and coffee community, it seems so. Like you, I've started, you make a couple of friends. You see people, yeah. you know, over and over again because 
the truck looks so odd from a distance. Yeah. It's, it's a basically a plain brown GMC Sierra. And what year? Crew yeah, cab. We just it's a 2014. 2014, and it's yeah. it's the difference, almost like a sport suspension, right? So it, it's it's it has a Z60 suspension uh, package, and for folks that are familiar, it's the opposite of a Z71, where that's predisposition for off-road driving. The Z60 is lowered two inches from the factory, and it has a very stiff suspension. There's almost no body roll. Neat looking truck. truck. A totally yeah. different stance, and it, yeah, yeah. it doesn't look like straight up custom. But it, it, you, yeah. you look at it, and you're like. It this does is, stick out, though. I mean, mm-hmm. it's one of those deals you see it because you usually get there at a decent time, so you have a decent parking spot. But when you see this this long yeah. cinnamon brown Chevy truck sitting there, and you're like, so it's a little bit lowered. You're like, doesn't have fancy wheels. Yeah, doesn't have uh, you know any anything on it really that sets it apart. You're like, oh, that's something unusual there. So yeah, it, it's it, almost it, like a sleeper. So then you kind of walk over, but then you, you badged it. You let people know. Yeah, what's going it's, on. it's really. I, I, I went and visited uh, Charlie at CJ Sons. And, you know, he kind of walked me through how to, to you know, create decals for me. But that's why I had those decals made for the window because people didn't really understand what they were coming up on. Like and, me. And, and you could see people walk up and there's this giant polished aluminum tank and yeah. people are like, what's that? Yeah, and what's and so the about? decals kind of help say that's what the truck is mm-hmm. and, yeah. and what it's doing. But from a distance, it looks like a sore thumb, this plain brown pickup truck lined up with all these hot rods and exotics. It's so it's like Daryl's getting to. So when you're laying in bed and, you're, and one day you just wake up and you r- roll over to the wife and say, honey, I've been thinking <laughs> that, that what I just did wasn't good enough. Uh, I think I'm going to go out and do it again. I mean, was there a smack across the head? Uh, just shut up and stay home? Or what happens there? No, it was. She's, That's she's what happened been, to you, Daryl, right? Yeah, all the time. Yeah, okay. yeah I, just, I just get hit a lot. Yeah. So, so I'm really lucky. My wife has been really supportive uh, about all of this. That's great. So, you know, one of the things that kind of happened after March, you kind of start doing the cars and coffee thing. You got a little bit of a story to tell. It's kind of a neat, you know, thing that's that's going on. And um, I got invited to a Cannonball Run event. Um, within that community, there's a gentleman named uh, Doug Tabbitt out of Cleveland, Ohio. And I, these are some folks. They had he and Arnie Toman. Um, and David Simpson and a, a couple out of South Carolina that had made a run. Um, Shelly Davis, she's the, the holds the ladies record uh, for the same route that, that I had run. And Doug was holding an event uh, for people that had made runs in 2020. So it was kind of like a little bit of award ceremony, for lack of a better term, bring people together. Yeah, like a reunion. Kind yeah, of. yeah. And, but, th- but there's no awards because that would imply liability. I, I guess so. Yeah, like people get kind of sketchy about it. It was, it was more of a roast than anything. To, to be okay. quite, it was he put on a, just a fantastic event, and because I'd run the the southern route, Doug was incredibly generous and invited me, and said, "Look, come, you know, it's, that's that's a cannonball type, you know, event." And he said, or, "Or route that you took," and he said, "You know, you're invited." And so I turn up in Cleveland, and it was just a, a fantastic event. Um, you know, kind of the who's who of that, the people that you see on uh, the Vin Wiki videos. Um, and a lot of people had made runs um, that you you can see a lot of them on Vin Wiki, but there was a diesel record that was set um, in a Volkswagen diesel TDI, sedan. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was actually two guys that are super crazy. Um, they took an older Mercedes and they ran coast to coast to coast. The white so, one. The white sedan? It's kind of a gold color Mercedes. And so they ran New York, L.A., back to New York. 
and so just <laughs> completely bonkers. Wow. How, um, how many guys in that team? A two. It was two of them, and I think it was. It was. I'm guessing it was like 70 hours or something like that. So everybody who showed up in Cleveland wild. had to be like, "This is a short drive." Isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was no big deal. Hop, yeah, skip, and jump. And and then the the new um, overall speed record for team and solo fell in 2020. So Arnie and Doug had set the team record again. Um, how many times did that record fall last year? I, I don't recall exactly, like, discreetly two or three times. Yeah. You know, because it was getting bumped. You know, and then people were holding their times before they went public. And yeah. so it kind of buckled back and forth. And, and then actually I got to meet Fred Ashmore uh, at that event. And so Fred is the current solo record holder. He's the guy that did it in the Rental Mustang. The Mustang, yeah. yeah. Which, by the way, dude is my hero. Yeah, That epic. whole story was epic. Super, super nice guy. Yeah. Just super. And, and really all of them were. And they were just really nice, genuine folks. And so um, – and then actually if you see on VinWiki, there's a gentleman named Travis Bell out of Indianapolis. And he owns the Transcon Medivac Ambulance. Oh, yeah. So, and it, the cosplay aspect yeah. was going on there, which we loved. I mean, yeah. We're, we're, fan, we're fanboys. Yeah. Just just yeah. a bunch of great people. So, so the point is that event kind of happened. And just another – a quick side story um, – Doug had set up on the second day of that weekend, we would go to a local go-kart track and do a charity fundraiser. And so basically everybody that had made runs, um, what do they call it? It's like a pursuit deal they'll do at go-kart tracks wow. um, to where you race two or three laps and two people chase you. Well, I thought maybe you guys all added extra fuel tanks to your cars. No, no, <laughs> they wouldn't let us do that. In half hour to, so, to make their mods. Yeah. And, and, and if you, you could pass us, we'd have to pay money oh, into okay. the charity kind okay. of deal. Super nice event. And it was like the Cleveland Cars and Coffee event that, that was oh, kind of held at that neat. deal. But here's kind of the funny story. We're meeting at the hotel. And where everybody stayed and, you know, we, we kind of had a deal the night before, nice dinner, nice kind of, you know, um, roast, you know, awards uh, deal. Um, some folks had called in on Zoom. Um, so uh, John Fracara that you see on VinWiki, Ed Bolian uh, was uh, on this Zoom call. And he's like, and is then, he the founder? Kinda, he's or, not, not, he's kind of considered, Vin, the he, he runs VinWiki. That, That's what, that uh, happened okay. on the YouTube channel. Gotcha. And a lot of people look to him as kind of the guy that really reinvigorated, you know, a lot of this. And, and so at least on YouTube, right, yeah. that, that became where it's a lot of people like me found it. But then you had um, Ben Charlie Safari Wilson out of New Zealand. He ran the 2904 events. Um, which were kind of like a cheap car cannonball. And so he was on Zoom from New Zealand, and these are just fantastic people. So for somebody like me with this brown pickup truck that turned up out of nowhere, it's like, (laughs) man, like, what am I doing here? you got imposter syndrome. No, no, because you're legit. I mean, you actually – you ponied up. You have a vehicle. You did the mods. You drove coast to coast. Uh, you hold a legitimate record, so I mean, yeah. it, it probably seems like you know who are all these people I'm around, but you did the impossible task. I mean, you, you may not give yeah. yourself enough credit yeah. for it, but you really you put a lot yeah. of effort these, into it. A lot of these guys were the the high horsepower, high speed guys, and you you feel like you're in their shadow a little bit. And so the the funny part of the story is, you know, we're at this hotel, we're going to go to the go kart track, and it's it's relatively early in the morning. And, you know, had the address of the carting place. So we're like, you know, supposed to be 25 minutes away. 
And so all these – and everybody's brought their cars. You know, mm-hmm. I've got the truck there. You know, Doug and Arnie have the Audi that they ran. Fred's got the Mustang and the ambulance <laughs> Which is he there. bought after and, he rented it. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We tracked it down and bought it. So there's this funny story. We're, we're all kind of pulling out. And somehow I end up like third in line out of this caravan. And so it's it's Doug, and he's driving this uh, Corvette that had, that had made some uh, – coast-to-coast runs, Fred Ashmore's in front of me, and then there's this parade of cannonball cars that's coming out. Brown pickup truck is in the third slot. And we pull out from the hotel and we get on the interstate. And it's I'm trying to recall, it's basically the loop around Cleveland. Like or, a bypass, you're, yeah, yeah, you're kind of working. And we go through the traffic light and we're on the on-ramp to get on the interstate. And I kind of suspected, like, something doesn't <laughs> Something's going to go down. Feel right. Like, <laughs> I, I, I can Maybe. hear that. I can hear Fred's, you know, Mustang growling. There's this Corvette in the front. I'm looking behind me. It looks like a dirt track on a Saturday night. You know, people are, are running. Uh, and so we come down the ramp, and sure enough, it's on. Doug takes <laughs> off. And, of course, Fred's not going to let him leave. So here I am in the truck, and I've already made up my mind. I'm not getting past. I'm running with yeah. these, these folks. Drop the hammer. Yeah. So we're taking off, and allegedly close to just above triple digits, you know, on the close to downtown Cleveland, Yeah, it wink, seemed like. Wink. But here's now the funny story. So all these cars that have run coast to coast. Well, so then here comes Travis Bell in the Transcon Medivac, which is like a 1970s era <laughs> Um, van like Dodge van. Tradesman, Dodge, yeah, 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 but yeah. it's got like a big 440 oh, or it's something, like a, right? It's basically it's, it's a replica of the NASCAR package that was actually <laughs> run. It's it's he's built it true to spec for that uh van. So I'm running along and I'm kind of hanging on, you know, and you know, I'm a little bit nervous, like, there's no title to get, we're just speeding on a you know, Saturday morning, <laughs> sure. and I'm running along, you know, trying to hold my own. And sure enough, I look in the right mirror because we're in the left lane. And I look, and all I see is red lights, and here's this old Dodge van <laughs> in the center lane, and he's gaining on everybody. Dude, that's all right. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Travis was hammered down, yeah. showing up all these cannonball that's cars right. in his Dodge van. So, so the the point was, I, I went to that event. That was kind of like my payoff. You know, that's what you get for for doing this. This in the summer, you said. Uh, I'm trying. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. Yeah, I think it was summer. Was it like July or August I or something like that? I think it was. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to remember now. It's kind of a blur. I, I remember seeing the pictures, and you got me. I got my autographed picture. Yeah, yeah, I brought right that there. back. Yeah, yeah, that postcard. Yep, yep. beautiful, beautiful. And, Loving it. And so the point about how you end up doing this again becomes, you know, I kind of go to that, and I was I was really well received, and people were just super nice and. You learn a lot, and you, you get to, to know these folks. And then you come home, and it kind of starts to dawn on you, well, the truck's already built. You know, I've kind of got this quirky fuel issue I think I can sort out. And, you know, at the time, um, you know, the, the Fred had blown out the, the Solo, New York to L.A. But I really, it always kind of stuck with me that the truck didn't perform like it was supposed to. It didn't run nonstop, coast to coast. And so then I kind of thought, well, what do you have to lose? You know, it, it was now you're deep into COVID. You didn't take a summer vacation. You've got a bunch of time off, you know, kind of collected up. And so I, I just made up my mind as I got to October, um, which is kind of historically the next window, Columbus Day uh, weekend. Okay. I said, I'm going to go and just see, you know, my primary goal was to see if the truck could run nonstop. 
you know, if it could run like it was designed to. Sure. And and I, I wanted to have a solid run. My target time But was that's a lot of commitment hours. because you'd already driven down yeah. to Nolens and done some runs with it and stuff. I mean Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you yeah, knew yeah. you knew it was gonna run. Yeah, I knew the truck <laughs> the truck would perform. I wanted I wanted to know if the fuel system okay. would would really work. Okay. And um so that's where I, I really made a decision. Look, I'm gonna pick October tenth, which is the Columbus Day is the classic weekend for uh, a cannonball New York to L.A. So did we get a text like a couple days before that weekend saying, hey, guys, by the way, if you want to follow along. Yeah, I, I think might, we chatted. I might, I might be leaving New York. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, we did. And I think you gave us the, the link to the Glimpse, which is yeah. one of the tra- GPS yeah. app, right? Yeah. So you could follow along and, and see where you're see where your travels took you. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to shame the, the previous route you did, but uh, I had to wonder because I even even I was like confused when I first met you. Mm-hmm. Was there like a peer pressure aspect that you know done the the southern route, done the transcontinental, but you don't really have this, you don't have a grasp on this unless you've done sure. New York to L.A. Sure, so I, I think that's fair. I mean, they were very generous and yeah. and welcomed me in, and and you know because a lot of them have run southern route times, sure, you know, or transcontinental times, you know, and been record holders on that route. I, but I think for me, I felt like. It would be a loss if the truck was already built. I'd already done all the work. Functionally, it could do this and not try, even if you were just checking the box and saying you made the drive. Because mm-hmm. I'd even toyed that around of, you know, just deciding to take my wife with me and do, you know, just drive it and say I drove from Red Ball to Portofino. But then, I, you know, I really wanted to try to put up a, a competitive time or the fastest time I could do, you know, with the truck. And I wanted that redemption of you know, the truck you know, could run nonstop coast to coast. So what were you competing with? Well, you obviously have the truck. Sure. And so there's a record already established. What, what are you going for if you do this? Yeah. So I, I was targeting, um, for me because I'd, I'd base the speeds off of the transcontinental run and I wanted to target 33 hours. But then if you think about, you know, what, what you could either call a record or I really refer to as a notable time to beat, <laughs> okay. um, there was really two things. I knew that Fred Ashmore years ago had run a Ford Galaxy, um, and I, I believe it was a C2C event, and he'd run it nonstop with a, with somebody else in the car. They He'd cut the roof off and, you know, um, put a bunch of fuel tanks oh in it, and that God. car functionally ran you know, without needing any fuel, but he was like in the forty-hour mark, forty-plus hours. Okay, right? yeah, which Galaxy's big, full-size. Yeah, like I don't car. know how they suffered through <laughs> running that car coast to coast. Like that's that's. And we talked stout. about Dan Gurney on the previous episode. How did he do it? Like, in that small, yeah, was it the Jaguars that they used. No, they were in a. It was a. Was it an AMC? It was something weird. Some seventies. Some, 70s. some yeah. Little, yeah. I just I, I don't understand. It was it wasn't a Lotus. Oh no! Because oh. he did. They, uh, this, it might have been an XK. It might. Have, I don't know. Anyway, we'll have to go back. Yeah. To, we're yeah. going to have to Google our own <laughs> yeah, episode yeah, yeah, to yeah, figure yeah, out because yeah. so, the, the history of it was fascinating. Yeah. Because when you look at the evolution of it, you doing it in a truck is almost like, to me, some of the early cars that were doing it, big full size mm-hmm. rear wheel drive stuff, mm-hmm. yeah. probably weighs about the same as a brand new yeah. Sierra, something yeah. like that. Yeah. So you just got a little more creature comforts. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're like sitting in a recliner virtually <laughs> oh, com- yeah. com- compared to what these guys compared are driving. Compared to yeah. an old Ferrari yeah. or yeah. some kind of Italian. I think, it was, I think it was a Ferrari. I think they drove a Ferrari. Ferrari yeah. Yeah. Oh, Daytona. It was a that's Day- right, the blue one. one. Yeah, Ferrari blue one, Daytona. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and, and so I knew that Fred was out there with that, that nonstop run, and, but it was kind of in the 40s. So I knew okay. I, I had a pretty good shot at it. 
But what I really wanted was the, um, you would say, the truck record or, or the notable time of the fastest pickup truck. And so I'd found there's – in some of those groups, there's kind of a spreadsheet that's kept and, and people have data mined and, and kind of really documented all this Just really the Wikipedia well. page has a ton yeah. of information on it. Oh, yeah. I mean if you think about – last time I looked at that spreadsheet, it's it's a 120, 130-plus documented <laughs> <Wow. you> know, <laughs> run since the, the 70s. And so in April of 1979, during one of the runnings, um, Dennis Mancini ran a 1979 Chevy Dually. I, I can't confirm if it's the exact truck or a replica. My understanding it's the same truck I, from the original movie. My understanding is that that exact truck is I in think, there. It's I, probably I think not the one that true. jumped the train, but it's yeah, yeah. It, but it's it's the one that. But that is yeah. the truck, and and so huh. that truck ran it in thirty four hours and fifty two minutes. So solo? Uh, no, there was four people. There, at least in the document that I've seen, it lists four names. So I'm assuming it's four people. Oh well, the then truck. you're already. I mean, you're already. Yeah, anyway, do a solo you, you, record. You yeah, got I still kind of look at it though. A, a 1979 <laughs> Chevy right. Dually. That's pretty. You know, that, a Dually for stout. certain. Yeah, right. You know, that's that's a hard ride. They were just you know, they were they raging were on the gas pedal. Yeah, the they whole were time. rolling. Yeah. Well, and you look at fuel consumption too. Something like that. Yeah. Big one ton Dually. Oh, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Big block carbureted. It's got to just be just guzzling fuel. I bet it beat them to death. Yeah. I, I don't know how they yeah. physically survived. Well, it's like listening to the old truckers. Well, we were men back then, yeah. real men. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm yeah. sure you were, but you still got beat up. <laughs> Your yeah. back is shot. You need, <laughs> you need surgery now. So so um, we were talking a little bit about October being that time of year, another time of year where historically the runs are made. Is there any uh, weight given to the changing of the seasons out west, say in the mountain, higher elevation? I don't know anything about that, but yeah. is that a consideration, concern for you? Yeah, and, and I had talked about that with some folks. I I'd actually talked to, uh, to Fred um, and Doug. Um, about that when I was kind of planning to to go. Because now when you decide to go New York to L.A., you have two route choices. You can now have what they call the northern route or the southern route. Southern route is, for that run, New York to L.A., is basically what you what the Brock Yates events. You know, that's how they ran. Um, so you're basically coming south. Brock Yates, of, the founder of the founder, Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, so actually that is what the movie is based on is the actual cannonball runs that were really put together by Brock Yates um, in the 70s. And so that route, you come out of New York City, and you basically get through New Jersey, start moving south through Pennsylvania, and you'll essentially get down to St. Louis. Okay. Yeah, so it's basically either going through Chicago or St. Louis. Yeah, either you're that's, going, that's I, the northern you're going to I-80 yeah. on the northern side, or you're going to work your way St. Louis down to Oklahoma City yeah. and then down on the southern side to get to L.A., the big differences are the the northern route on I-80 is actually cleaner because it's straight. It's I-80. You know, you're going through Iowa and yeah. Nebraska flat. and big flat open lands yeah. that you can run. But then it, you have to deal with the Rockies. Yeah. And the Rockies are unpredictable from a weather standpoint. And what we've seen kind of in modern times is that the high horsepower cars, you know, these 700 horsepower, you know, German cars are, are able to muscle their way, you know, through – you know, I'm in a, a standard, you know, 5.3 liter uh, pickup truck. And so when I talked to the guys, you know, there was two pieces of advice. They said, look, if it's your first time, there's the nostalgia of running, you know, the Brock Yates routes. 
you know, do do that. That's what, because then you start to get into the um, the history of you need to be through St. Louis by sunrise. That's yeah. what you hear when you're reading the books and all the old timers, the old timers, yeah, that yeah. were working through that. Yeah. So you're you're showing some respect. You need to be hallucinating like Phoenix. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, but then you know the other option is that that I eighty route, and then just muscle your way and gamble you know, through the Rockies. Now with that though. Um, if you, as crazy as the last 12 months have been, um, if you remember, there were the wildfires yeah. that were going on. Well, oh, that was actually yeah. during October, and there was some pretty sporadic wildfires in that area. And I didn't want to have to have unpredictable weather, but then the fires were a concern. You know, just with smoke and where they, they were shutting down some they of the closed states. And yeah. So yeah. that was a little bit sketchy. So that's why I chose the, the southern So side. you did chose, choose the southern route. Okay. Yeah. So we talked a lot on the first episode – Episode 35, by the way, um, about sleep patterns and, mm-hmm. and just getting – I mean we talked about leaving at like 7 o'clock at night uh, when you left St. August. It was St. August in Jacksonville, sorry. Yeah, I was – yeah, I think I was supposed to leave at 8. So what So what did you do to prep? I mean we're talking 40 hours potentially here with no mm-hmm. sleep. Uh, how do you stack that up? What do you do? You park yourself at a hotel in New York and – and sleep for twelve hours and pray, or what? Yeah, pretty much. It's it's you know, and 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 I won't sell it as there's some macho aspect like yeah, you just power through it. No, it sucks and it's really hard. <laughs> it's got to be awful. worse than the first trip. Um, yeah, and so what had happened was on the first trip, um, I was on a normal sleep pattern, so I was going to leave at eight o'clock at night. Well, I woke up at nine o'clock in the morning. I'd been up all day, uh. and then I actually left to go on the run. I tried to take a nap, but I was too excited different things like that. So for the New York trip, I actually did a pretty good job of adjusting my sleep pattern because on that Friday when I left Peoria and went to New York City, I actually stayed at a hotel out by the Meadowlands uh, in New Jersey, in New Jersey. So just right across the tunnel. Looking for Jimmy Hoffa? You know, I, I didn't have any luck. So. <laughs> so I get there on Friday night, and I intentionally stayed up pretty late. I drove into Manhattan to figure out how to get to the Red Ball Garage, figure out how to get out of New York. You, you kind of do some test runs to get familiar with okay. you know, getting okay. out onto the interstates. Was it your first time in New York? I'd ne- I, and I've, I've traveled all over the world, and mm-hmm. I've never been to New York City. What was before. it like driving in New York? Intimidating. Yeah. In a big brown How, 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 yeah. how deep to... are you into New York? <laughs> so Red Ball I actually looked at it. Um, so you're on 31st. And so if you look at Manhattan, if I looked at Google Maps right, was it about a dozen blocks? wide, at least when I was trying to figure out what a block was. But you're on the east side. You're probably three quarters of a way across the island um, to the ocean side. Um, So you've got to come across and then get to, um, you've got to get to the Lincoln Tunnel to get out and get to Interstate 95. There's a lot of variables just getting out of the city. So yeah, and and luckily, you know, that community was really helpful. I'd watched videos, read books, talked to folks. And so when I got there, I I went into the city, found the Red Ball, and, you know, actually timed my way out. And because I did that around nine thirty at night, I got I got through the tunnel in about in under fifteen minutes. Wow. Um because actually it's it's a pretty straight shot. You come out, it's a one way street. Um, you kind of hook a right for a block. You make another left. You go right in front of the Empire State Building, yeah, and then you cool. kind of make another right, kind of a left, and then you shoot through the tunnel. There like might it's, be a it's time. almost a straight shot. There now. might be a time where your gas guzzler is not even allowed on the island, so you might be one of the it last may routes. <laughs> Maybe last time somebody could drive a truck like yours on the island. Yeah. Well, London yeah. did. Is it London that 
I think they outlawed car traffic Pre- in general. Pretty much. I listened to London radio, and yeah, they, they your, your uh, emissions vehicles are no longer allowed in the center region of the city. And I'm like, oh, that's nice. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah listen to that real it. close. That'll be coming this way before yeah. you know it. I, I think yeah. like on the weekends, they, they open it up for like mostly tourists and you yeah. know people that want to drive from the country to see yeah. stuff. But yeah. Bring the regular, rover in. Regular business yeah. day. <laughs> They 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 discourage that highly. So, and and so then I was able to to do that kind of play around in the city a little bit, and, and essentially stay up super late. Ugh. So my scheduled departure time was seven uh, the next night. So I stayed up really late, and I was actually I was only awake for about two hours before I left. So I had slept pretty much up until about two hours before I left. And for those who don't know, the reason you don't, wouldn't leave early, like say you were like when you were down in Jacksonville, you're like, oh, I was up at ten a.m. in the morning. It makes no sense whatsoever to try and launch early because you're trying to catch traffic patterns and you basically time this whole route out. Yeah, that's right. The, the biggest thing you don't want to do is hit Los Angeles at rush hour in the morning. You don't want to creep up into uh, morning rush hour, um, or you don't want to get there. To, you don't want to get there too late and run into morning traffic coming into L.A., but you don't want to leave too early and end up, so, even on a weekend. So you LA's have a like point. Chicago. You have to leave New York. You know if you leave this time, if everything goes yeah. right, you're going to end up your exit point at the right time. Yeah, I did yeah. the same thing I did for the transcontinental run. I built a spreadsheet, and every 100 miles, there was a checkpoint with a time, a location, and where I should be. And you use that to, to kind of see if you're on track or not. Um, but then also, to your point, Eric, for, for route planning, mm-hmm. I could move the numbers up and down and figure out, well, where should I be at that speed? And you're kind of moving that line back and forth to say, okay, I don't want to be here at this time, yeah. um, but I do want to be here about this time. And so you kind of map it out pretty detailed. So when you left Jacksonville on the first run, you had mechanical problems. Everything clean this time? Mechanically, it was clean. Okay. So, but <laughs> what does then that mean? It, so, it gives me a look like, like oh, gosh. So... <laughs> There's a story that that you hear people uh, and Ed Bullion specifically say, whenever you do a cannonball, you know you can you can prepare and you can do everything on your end. You can hold up your end of the bargain. I've I've prepped for every you know thing that can go wrong mechanically, mm-hmm. and then uh, the saying goes, you you pull the handle on the giant slot machine, and there's your luck, yeah. and either it's going to help you or it's going to hurt you. And on the transcontinental run. Slot machine pretty much came up triple sevens. Like I, you know, had a little bit of fog, a couple little quirky things. It it went to hell in a handbasket kind of quick before I even left the the red ball. So I'm, I I wanted to leave at seven, and I, so the truck is set up to where you know I've got a Garmin navigation unit that's really I'm not looking at outside of the dashboard. It's showing me average speed and some other information about the trip. But the, the phone is on the dash running Waze, and then there's an iPad running several other apps, and I run Google Maps to back up Waze. Because I, I kind of had some bad luck, you know, with it, Waze kind of telling you to go one we've, way. We've talked about this on previous this shows. Stuff. Right. Little, even though they're, glitchy. Even though they're yeah. the same company, apparently they fight each yeah. other. Yeah. yeah, and Google Maps seems to do better about speed traps. You know, their information is kind of interesting, but Waze is hard to beat on aggregated, you know, data. So. Sure. I'm, I'm sitting in front of the Red Ball Garage, and you know I've got I've got the the route set, everything's ready to go, um, and I was fighting Waze and Google Maps because they all wanted me to take I-80. It was saying the <laughs> fastest route was I-80. I was like, I don't want to take I-80. Yeah. I want to go, you know, to the south. So I get that all sorted out, and you know I'm, I'm pushing buttons, I'm setting timers, oh, boy. I'm yeah. getting ready to go, and then the phone pops up with a message, and it's from Waze, and it says. Um, 
major accident, Lincoln Tunnel. <laughs> and I was like, that's weird. You know, and so then another one comes up and says, um, traffic jam, Interstate 95. So it's already knows my route and it's, and it just starts popping up like it's, it's shutting down and mm-hmm. I'm looking at it and it's, it's just red. Everything's turning red out of that tunnel. Before you even get out of the, the I, I'm New still, York I'm metro still in park. I'm, I'm sitting yeah. in front yeah, of the yeah. garage, the yeah. trucks in park. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? So it starts to reroute me. And I, again, you know, my big intention was to run nonstop. You know, I, time was important. I wanted to put up a respectable number. But I really wanted to get through the trip, you know, that's with nonstop. So that's what I was trying to accomplish. So I'm thinking, well, all right, how's it going to reroute me? Well, then you can go through the um, through the Holland Tunnel, which is just to the south. And I look at it really quick. Well, the Holland Tunnel comes out of Manhattan and it picks up um, Interstate 78, which is actually on the southern route, the route you want to take into New Jersey. Okay. You know, if you're up north, you'll pop out onto Interstate 95 and come down. To, to 78. And so I look We're, at it. I'll and trust go, you on that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and it becomes important because I thought, well, that's at least gets me, the tunnel gets me out and I'll miss, you know, the, the jam on interstate 95. So I start following the magenta line on, <laughs> on ways. And now I have to, because I've never been in New York city before, what I didn't really think through is now I have to trek through Manhattan, probably about, you know, 10 blocks South. Like I, the, I'm doubling my time through New York traffic and it's, you know, Saturday nights yeah. and it's packed full of people yeah. and there's card stoplights. And so I lost, I calculated that I'd lost about, um, an additional 10 to maybe 15 minutes. Oh, right. So up, I, right I started, I, I get uh. through the tunnel 10, 15 minutes behind, yeah. probably had about eight minutes stopped. So now I've got stop time. You know, on me, but it's and good to lose it early on. It is, yeah, I yeah. Mean, that's the best place to I, lose I, it. I think I've got almost three thousand miles to make it up. Yeah, exactly, right? exactly. So. <laughs> It'll all work out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I kind of get through that, and I get out. You know, get into to New Jersey, um, and and my first big checkpoint was uh, Wheeling, West Virginia. So that's about three or four hours in, and so I'm, that's going to be my first big time check. You know, because I'm that's you know I'm navigating through. Pennsylvania. And, and what was weird was because I'd come in on I-80 from Peoria, Mm -hmm. um, I-80 through Pennsylvania is kind of rolling hills. It it didn't seem too bad. Well, once you get on to, uh, 78, it felt to me, it felt like the Rockies. There's tunnels, there's huge hills and all. So I'm, I'm fighting under full weight because normally I handle the mountains, you know, on the Western side of the U S and the transcon run, I'm, I'm, I've burned through most of my fuel. Well, I'm underweight, and I'm trying to navigate, you know, the southern side of Pennsylvania and then to West Virginia. And so I get to Wheeling, and I'm 45 minutes behind oh, on a 33-hour run, you know. So that kind of became the next big hit. Uh, you know, it's like, crap, you know, I'm, I'm 45 minutes behind. So it's know? about this time when you cross into Pennsylvania that Daryl and I, yeah, we, start te- <laughs> we start texting each other like, hey, you see where Steve's at? And I'm like, yeah, Pennsylvania. And I'm like, and it's like eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock at night. Yeah. It's right before we're going to bed, you know, on a Saturday night. And uh, yeah, I was up at my folks, and I remember like everyone was asleep, and I'm sitting here like in the in their family room, like following along yeah. and, and texting <laughs> Eric, like, oh, you see where he's at? Yeah. And, and I'm like, oh, I'll go to bed. I'll I'll get up early in the morning and just kind of see yeah. see where see where he lands. So yeah, the next morning, my my traditional weekend cooking breakfast. First thing I do is I pull up the app and I see, oh, he's just. 
getting past St. Louis. I'm like, St. Louis. Oh my God. I just slept all night and I don't even feel like I got that good of a sleep. And you've been riding. And and now all I can think of, you start at seven o'clock last night. I don't know what time exactly it was, but I knew you'd been driving all night and he's only in St. Louis. And I've driven. I've, yeah, driven, yeah. I've driven plenty of times, almost coast to coast, but uh, I, I couldn't even make it to Vegas in one shot. Yeah. You know, yeah. I can't imagine now. Steve, Steve's been up this whole time. He's in St. Louis. <laughs> L.A. That's all you got to do now. St. Louis to L.A. Yeah, just, How hard could that be, yeah, right? Just whistle that off here. Yeah, and I think hours. I texted you. I'm like, oh, my God, he's only in St. Louis. And I think you and I were both like, oh, I didn't think he's – he's not as far as we thought he would be. Yeah, and and yeah. really, what you start to understand is, you know, you think you look at a map and you look at St. Louis and go, "Oh, that's halfway." <laughs> Oklahoma is really halfway. Yeah, you know, when you start to run the mileage out, dude, you know, the, Tulsa, the Western Oklahoma states City, are huge. Yeah, they are. It's yeah. it's brutal. Yeah, and and so you know, you're right. About that time I was getting to St. Louis, I'd run into another problem. So um, I get to about Columbus, Ohio. So think about that: Columbus, Indianapolis, then to St. Louis. Yeah. So there was another storm coming through the Gulf Coast. And so we were getting cold air from the north. This this storm starts to push. You know, this hurricane starts to push up. And that's the only thing I can figure created this. But I honestly had fog, dense fog, from <laughs> Columbus uh, to just past St. Louis when the mm-hmm. sun started to come up. And it seemed like the entire state of Indiana and Ohio were under construction. And so honestly, at some point, I'm looking, I'm driving 45 miles an hour. Oh. You know, behind a, a car in one lane in a construction zone. in a construction zone that's <laughs> sleep going deprived. Like, you know, and it's funny because Doug Tabbitt had, had really tried to warn me. He said, "You know, if you looked at construction, looked at construction." I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." You know, I've looked at it, and I'm thinking it's the middle of the night. I'll kind of work through it, and you just couldn't. It was just a, a, a slog to to get through that part of the U.S. So on the on episode 35. Uh, I like to reference that. It's yeah. the secret word of the day. <laughs> we, we talked about uh, what you were drinking and eating. Yeah. I, I don't think you really were eating much, but that was a shorter drive again. But you were sipping on some five-hour energies yeah. when you did the first. Did you keep the same diet? So pretty much everything we talked about in 35, and especially the pre-show, you know, all that yeah. stuff was, was same, same gearing, same, exact yeah. same thing. Yeah. The only thing that was really different – um, because and, and, I'd started drinking them at work sometime, or, or the Monster Energies that are kind of in these bigger oh, yeah. cans. But yeah. you can get the ones like it makes it better, but you know it has no sugar. Yeah, it. zero it's sugar. Like the yeah. white and blue can, all, right. all juice, no yeah, carbs. Right. Yeah. And, and so I'd bought a couple of those, and I still had Five Hour Energies. But what actually for me, what really worked was I drank two of those over the whole trip. So in one of the cup holders was this big can of, of sugar free Monster. And then I would continue to drink water, but then I would just sip on it. And I remember David Simpson telling me that, like, don't chug caffeine drinks. Yeah. Just sip on them. So Regulate it. you're just kind of slowly, every mm-hmm. 15 minutes or so, taking a little sip of it. And that really helped a lot, at least through the majority okay. of the trip. But so that was the only thing that was different from yeah, the first trip. There was nothing. You weren't beaking and crashing. and <clears throat> No, because, like because by the time you get into some of that dietary stuff – you know, you've pretty much cut out sugar. You've been on a low-carb diet for several weeks before, um, you know, and because you're not taking in any sugar, your blood sugar is kind of not crashing. You're not jumping up and down with it. You're basically eating protein bars, you know, to get some calories into you for the the trip. Yeah. So so you're in the middle of the thick of it, right? Yeah. You're you're, you're stuck in work zones, some, some fog, some traffic. What's going through your mind at, at, at this point? You've been down this whole road before. Is there a part of you that's like, 
man, I don't, I don't think this is happening. Or are you going to just, I'm going to stay the course, press ahead and whatever happens, happens. Cause you, you could have just yeah. turned, you made right. a flight St. Louis and been home in three hours. I'm yeah. thinking of the natural born quitter in me <laughs> that would be within a hundred some miles of home, be like the heck with this and just make a, make a right and go North. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think, I think a lot of guys that, that do this, even me was still under this fallacy of I'll make it up on the West side, you know, and, and, and guys that do cannonballs will tell but you, but you've told us you can't do you that. You can't do that. Yeah, like okay. you get sucked in. Yeah. I got sucked in on my own run, you know, because <laughs> they'll all tell you, you make your time in the East, you bank your time in the East and then you take it for what it is. And you ate your own words. You basically and, and, just, just so said, now I know I didn't this. bank any time, but I, it, here you are coming to St. Louis. Like <laughs> it's okay. When I get to the desert, I'll just, I'll drop the hammer and you know, yeah. that's when I'll get it. I can make up an you know, an hour. And which is not true. And so, but you're telling yourself that. Well, so then you're kind of rationalizing with yourself like, all right, look, I'm probably not going to hit 33 um, hours, but, you know, I can still do a nonstop run. The truck can perform, but that, that's an accomplishment within itself. Absolutely. And then while you're doing that, though, what you're watching is your Garmin is actually becoming part of your proof of your run, the dashboard feature. Okay. And so what I knew was I had taken like, um, eight, nine minutes of stoplights in New York, you know, so that's like a penalty, which you really want to say you ran nonstop is zero stop time Okay, on that, that dashboard. That's what you ideally want is zero. This truck ran and did not stop. And so I, I had about eight or 10 minutes on it. And mostly from that big detour through sure. New York city. So I'm getting into St. Louis, and so now you're rationalizing. Like, look, I'll make it up. I only got eight minutes of stop time. That's like less than one fuel stop for a normal run. Like, I've still got a really good story to tell. And so I get through St. Louis, and I pop out um, onto the west side on Interstate 44. So now I'm starting to make the break towards Oklahoma. And I'm probably, I don't know, a half hour on the west side of St. Louis and the sun's coming up. So now the fog's burning off. Like, okay, this is, you know, we're, we're getting to where we need to be. And I look up ahead and there's a bunch of police cars uh. on the interstate, like on both sides. And traffic's not that heavy. And, but there's a bunch of cop cars, you know, kind of up there. And you, now your mind starts spinning. Like, I know they're really not looking, looking for me. They're I'm looking not for that big of a deal. You know, but now I'm, what happens <laughs> you're kind, you're is. kind of a big deal around Peoria, but, you know, right. <laughs> But so you end up, I'm now like third car in line and the the police shut the interstate down. Uh, and I, I'm like, I don't understand what's going on. Like hmm. what, what's happening? There's no, there's no car accident. Nothing on there, the, there's, on the GPS no, or I'm sorry, ways. Because, because I'm, it's, you know, what, six thirty seven o'clock in the morning. And so I'm now third car in this line of traffic that got stopped. So there's nothing. And come to a complete stop and I'm kind of looking around and now I've got the CB and I hear truckers stacking up and they're wanting to know what's going on. So this has just happened, whatever Mm. it is. So now it's the weirdest thing. They were hanging a power line across the interstate. Oh my God. So they're running a utility line. But at least you were only the third okay. car back. I, I'm only the third car yeah, back. You got that but, going for you. But still, you're watching this high-tension wire. Like, how long is this going to take? Well, what I'm really watching is the Garmin unit that's ticking off minutes. You know, 10 minutes has turned into 12. Can, 13 can you for feel, a stop time. Can you feel us watching you online? 
<laughs> can you feel other not just Daryl not just Daryl and I just but but all the people. other people who who you invited to watch? Can it, you feel it, their breath it, on your it, back? Yeah, it enters <laughs> your mind, and and so then you know Doug Tabbitt was was very generous with his time as well, and he was the validation within that community for my time. He okay. was watching that as well. So I snatch up my phone and I snap a picture, you know, showing it stopped, and I send it to to Doug, and I'm like, I'm stopped on the interstate. He's like, what's going on? I'm like, they are hanging a power line. And it's like, are you for real? Yeah, brother. You know, yeah. and so no, I lost. I, I had, my kicks. <laughs> yeah. I, I had about just almost 20 minutes stopped uh-huh. just sitting on the interstate watching the sun come up, stopped for this thing. So then at that point, I kind of knew what it was. Like, okay, this is still, I didn't turn off the truck. I did not unbuckle my seatbelt. I did not get out of the seat. You're stuck with it. I'm just sitting well, here. Well, you really couldn't because so, you were kind of tethered, weren't you? Yeah, well, yeah, uh, yeah I was tethered. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. back to the pre-show. Yeah, some, some yeah, yeah. little bit, was, yeah. I wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. Sir, could you please step out of the car? Um, do you got any scissors? Yeah. Okay. I can't do that. Why? Yeah, that is true if somebody said, well, how, did, you know, how can you prove you really didn't get out of the truck? Like, trust me, it yeah. wasn't an option. And so um, – So you get rolling. You're what, get, Tulsa-ish? Or so where you I was just outside of uh, St. Louis, not, not that far. Okay. Um, and so then you know, take off again and so get going, sun's up, start making good time. And I'm, I'm running on pace. Problem is, I'm, I'm just in a hole that I, that I can't dig myself out of. Yeah. But I'm on pace and I'm running. And so start to get to Oklahoma City. And another app that I'd picked up was like a NOAA weather app that would show me live weather around me. You know, it says you're moving. It's like Google Maps with a weather overlay. It's kind of cool. And so I'm, I'm getting through um, Albuquerque and, and – or I'm sorry, Oklahoma City. And you're starting to push um, – you know, to the west, and I notice a big red square over where I'm at, and it says red flag warning. Oh, God. Well, I, I didn't know really what that was, so I click on it, and it says It's red a soccer flag thing, warning. right? Is, yeah. it, no. is it ozone? <laughs> no, it's, what is it? It's a fire hazard. Oh, jeez. And uh. so remember, in the Rockies, why I didn't go there yeah. was because of these wildfires that were taking place. So there's a red flag warning on this interstate, you know, between Oklahoma City and Albuquerque. And I kind of hit the detail. Well, then it says, you know, the reason that there's a fire hazard is because there's 30 to 40 mile an hour winds in this area. And I, I kind of start reading through and it says out of the west. Well, that's a headwind. So you're driving right For me now. It. So now I now am moving into <laughs> two or 300 miles of 30 to 40 mile an hour headwind. So you Natalie, feel, oh, go ahead. I was saying, do you feel like you sucked all the karma out of the first drive? <laughs> I think I did. I cashed in my chips yeah. on the I think the you need to one. move to the next slot machine over. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, but so not only does that take down, obviously, your time, your speed, your power, your mileage, but it's just, it's going to beat you up a little bit driving into it, isn't it? It was tough. I mean, it was, and because now you're at that point, you have no choice but to press on. Yeah. Like the, there is no other option but to push your foot down and keep going. And, you know, the truck started – the truck performed fine, but it was interesting. Like I, I started to just suck through fuel. Like now you're kind of stressed and you're trying to figure out the math in your head because that truck will run with moderate fuel weight on it. I can run around 90 to 95, just under 3,000 RPM. And so most of my fuel calculations are there. On speed runs, if I'm running between 100 – um, 110. I know that I've got a higher fuel consumption rate, but once the truck settles, I'm only running about 3,100 RPMs. Like the I'll, the gears will kick down, and the truck's kind of pacing out pretty well. 
I'm barely running 90, and I'm twisting 3,500, 3,600 Noticeable difference. That, like the truck is just slugging it's, it's into laboring. this headwind. So yeah. the previous run, you had you knew how much gas you're going to need, and it seems yeah. to me like this run's four hours longer, right? Mm-hmm. So you had enough gas even with this no modifications of the tank? So, so what I knew, at the, I did not know. Um, now, I knew math and the speeds and the RPMs that I was planning to run. I knew that I should be okay. I knew I was thrown off because I was running slower. Mm-hmm. So by the time I got to Oklahoma City, I knew my time was off, that I should have more fuel in the back. You okay. know, because I've got, a, I've got a gauge in the cab with me, but it's basically like a marine tank. Mm-hmm. It's directional. It's telling me there's gas in it. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I don't know how much. <laughs> right. You know, right. when it's on empty, it still has 20 gallons in it. So okay. it's like a lawnmower. Did you map on the spreadsheet when you would be filling up or taking fuel? Did, did no, you I would always I always take it as it comes. Okay. So once I burn through the first factory tank or, or get down to a quarter of a tank, I, for me, I always run quarter tank, half tank. Mm. So when the truck gets down to a quarter tank, I knew that – I could um, pump up to a half tank in about um, four minutes, three to four minutes. So now it's when I get to a quarter of a tank, I turn on the switch, I, I bring it back up to a half tank, and then I burn down to a quarter. So you're, it's actually, for me, pretty good because you think about how do you stay awake. It, there's a lot of things going on. So now every 150 miles, I need to transfer gas. It like, becomes a routine. There's something to do. I got to do yeah. this. Yeah. I guess there's that because all I can think of is me like asleep at the wheel, fuel pouring out from one of the vehicles. <laughs> as it careens off the roads, I'm asleep, and I yeah. you know, didn't uh, pay attention. Yeah. Uh, this flaming brown vehicle yeah. Going off a cliff. <laughs> no, but the, the, I, I see what you mean, though. There has to be something to that where it's like, oh, I, I got to stay out. I got to watch this, something to pay attention to, and then I got to flip the switch a certain time. It's it's almost, uh, I don't know, it's giving yourself giving yourself a routine to stay busy. Very, very much, because what a lot of people are surprised to, to find out is the radio is not on at this point. I'm not You're listening not to podcasts. Out. I'm not listening to satellite radio. It is silence in the truck. Unless the radar detector goes off, the police scanner goes off, or a trucker picks up, it's nothing, silent. Nothing. No. See, no. and I could do that. My could, wife could, would could, lose her mind. No, I have she, to listen to music. I got, and I have to you? listen to like long thirteen-minute songs. You know, like Frankie goes to Hollywood like or something Frankie. like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, something that just like preoccupies me for fifteen miles. Yeah. But, so, for, so for me, it's critical because you know, to your point, there's always something happening. In the truck because I'm going through all the systems information. I'm checking tire pressure. I'm checking transmission temperature. I'm checking. I'm monitoring different things. And then, of course, that's all in between just driving. It's just like a submarine patrol or something like yeah, that, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Except there's not a crew. It's just one dude. Yeah. It's Running just, around the ship. Yeah. It's just, checking everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so there's always something to be aware of or to pay attention to. Let me ask you this. You mentioned briefly, you know, the truckers and some chatter on CB. Anybody using CB nowadays? Is there any traffic on there that's helpful in terms of you know making a trip and uh, highway advice, things like that? It, it, you'll hear some, but in general, no. Like yeah. when you get out in the middle of nowhere, you don't really hear anything. Yeah. Truckers seem to be talking on cell phones. Except now. The, re- the religious channels. Yeah. I catch those religious yeah, yeah, channels. Yeah, yeah, I've CB. heard those. I've yeah, heard where those. guys like reading from the Bible yeah. for like thirty minutes. Yeah. Like, oh man. Yeah, and and like when something goes south, like when the power line was being put up, like it blew up. Like all of a sudden, there was just people all over the yeah. radio. 
Um, but in general, and then what I've found too, it's not that it can't happen, uh, but I found, you know, like for, for police reports or anything like that, not, not really, no. um, guys that are really comfortable with it, um, will reach out and talk to truckers, you know, David Simpson, who kind of coached me the first time, you know, he's worked as a truck driver before. So he, he knows the lingo really well. And sure. he said he would chat him up and, you know, get some things happening. Um, but for me, it, it really didn't. It's, I'm, I'm glad I have it, um, but was it really as critical as the police scanner or the, the other countermeasures? Probably less. Gotcha. So were you talking yourself down at all? Were you calling people and saying, man, I don't know what to do. I don't do other people like cheerleading you or anything? Well, so so really I'd sent that note to Doug to really explain why the truck was stopped, you know, because now it's sitting there, sitting yeah. on the timer for almost 20 minutes. And so just to let him know, because if he was looking, I wanted him to know this is why it stopped. And then there was a couple other people I text, my wife and, yeah. and a couple of folks like, hey, don't worry. Like, I, I'm okay. I'm, I'm, yeah, and I kind of sent the picture like, look, yeah. this is what's happening. Yeah. And then I really couldn't do anything because you're just waiting to take off again. Like yeah. as soon as they clear the road, I'm, I'm going again. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, that kind of became an issue. And then the, the windstorm. Um, you know, between Oklahoma City and Albuquerque. And it was so kind of surreal because it looked like the movies, tumbleweeds blowing across sand, like visibility was starting to go down, trucks shuddering, you know, trying to to keep up with this. And then, you know, the the final thing that really was just so surreal and, and really weird about all this, I get into Albuquerque. And so now I'm, I'm on the other side of this windstorm, this red flag area. And I'm going through, you know, the city. So I'm running with traffic. I'm just in the left lane kind of running. And out of nowhere, all I knew was it was something black. And I hear it hit the front of the truck. Oh, that's right. Drag up the the hood and smack the windshield and go over the truck. I saw your picture. And and I'm like, I don't know what that was, but that's going to leave a mark. And sure enough. Yeah. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, what what is that? And and I thought it was kind of like the black ring weight for a highway barrel. Yeah. 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 That's kind of what I thought at first. You thought it was rubber? Yeah. I knew it was kind of from the sound, you know, and it didn't shatter the windshield. Thank So, goodness. you know, that I knew it was something. That would suck. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> and so then the, the funny, the postscript becomes, you know, when I get to, you know, the Portofino and I, I kind of do a quick check of the truck, you know, there's half a tumbleweed shoved in the grill, you know, that's <laughs> hanging out. Like I didn't realize it was there. <laughs> And and what I figured out, I didn't realize this until the drive home, um, going through Colorado, I'm behind this bobtail um, uh, tractor, and there's a Love's Travel Plaza uh, mud flap on the back of this truck. Uh, well, I remember seeing, it? like, on the hood of the truck, I could see a, almost a perfect image of a Love's Travel Plaza logo. So that's exactly what it was. It was a mud flap, you know, Just with the Love's off. logo on it, hits, smacks the front of the truck, it etches the logo into the hood of the truck, hits the windshield, and flies out. Oh, my goodness. Well, you're lucky. Did it Did it damage anything, radiator, core support, or any, any structural so, stuff? Yeah, or? when I got back to Peoria, I found out one of the, the radiator supports had come out. And so you could wiggle the radiator. I didn't realize that until I got back to, Holy to Peoria. No, Actually, the truck ran fine. You could wiggle the radiator sure. and pull it back. But, you know, went to, to Steve's, and they put in another bolt, and... Held it just fine. It didn't damage anything. No but kidding. It was, that bolt had come out and it was loose. So Albuquerque, wow. at this point, you're seven hours away? Where, where are you at? Gosh, I'm trying to recall. I was probably more than that um, because when I, I had another phone call um, with Doug Tabbitt, he, he called to check on me and make sure yeah. I was doing okay. 
and it was dark by then. Okay. So I was well into um, almost to California. And I remember at that point I had eight hours left. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so I've still got a good ways to go. The rest of the trip went pretty well. And what, what are you looking at when you're in Albuquerque? Are you behind 30 minutes? Are you behind an hour? What do you, what do you think roughly if you had to – so at that point with the windstorm, like I probably lost – that was probably where I got to – you know, my final time was 35 hours and three minutes. I, I, I probably got set on the 35 hours in Albuquerque getting through the windstorm because once that cleared out, I picked up and ran my normal pace. Yeah. You know, so I was running speeds and averaging mm-hmm. speeds like I should have been. Yeah. But then now you're just not – you're not putting points on the board. You're you're just holding You're maintaining – against what you got and your goal was 34 my goal was 33 33 yeah and then i ended up at 35 um 3503 okay so and and then you get through the rest of it like i said it's just a slugfest yeah you're getting through now what was kind of interesting um was when you get into the la basin you know you come out of barstow and you start turning down um get to la by this time it's around 2 a.m on monday morning you know, because it's now I've burned through all of Sunday. All weekend. I'm yeah. getting into L.A. I'm still now. I'm <laughs> technically middle of the night, right? You Nobody's running the roads, yeah. you know, at, at, at that time of the morning on a Monday. And so L.A. was a racetrack. It, it was just wide open, these big super freeways. Sure. 12 and lanes there was hardly wide. anything yeah. on it. And I end up picking up a bunch of kids, you know, and a bunch of JDM type, you know, hot rods sure. kind of flying through. Punks. And I just tuck in behind him. And I'm just rolling, you know, through Los Angeles and get to the Portofino. And, um, again, it's back to what I said earlier. You know, you pull in and that hotel sits right on the water. And there's like a Joe's Crab Shack, you know, next to it. And there's the famous sign we all take our pictures in front of. It looks like a guard shack. Mm -hmm. Well, I pull through, start shutting everything down, you know, turning off timers, doing all this stuff. And now here's this filthy truck with scuffed up in the front, half a tumbleweed sticking out of the front of it. It's <laughs> a nice image. You know, probably some steam coming off of somewhere. And um, I go to get out of the truck because I was going to take a picture. Now, remember, I've been sitting for, you know, 35 hours. And I wouldn't say that I fell down because I grabbed the side of the truck, but my legs pretty much <laughs> almost gave out. And this security guard comes walking up and says, sir, can I help you with something? And I was like, it's okay. I've got a reservation at the hotel. What year, what year <laughs> is this? Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure I look like just a hot mess, yeah. you know, rolling in there. And um, then, you know, you get to front desk, get your key. And I remember barely, you know, just getting a shower taken and then just collapsing. You know, you just lay down. Yeah, you just crash. That and just crash. And, what, and you got there what time in the morning? It was like two or three by the time I got in. And, and God, got that seems crazy to think that, that you were still that far away by Albuquerque. But just that drive, I mean, if, if you're watching the sun come up in, in St. Louis, mm-hmm. yeah, to Albuquerque, uh, it's, it, I've, yeah. done, I've done yeah, that yeah, drive. Yeah. I, I've yeah. driven all the way to Barstow. It's just, yeah. uh, it's, never, I've never driven all the way to L.A., though. And it's just a couple hours away. At that point, you're in Barstow. Why oh, not Barstow's just, close. Why not, yeah. just, why not just commit to just go to the coast, keep right? Going. Yeah. 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 You can actually get your picture uh, taken and, and then see yeah. what happens with the security guard at the uh, hotel. <laughs> Maybe the, I have a feeling they pull a gun or nightstick on you, though. I don't know. <laughs> Steve looks a little more trustworthy. Yeah, yeah he does. Definitely more quaffed. Well, I'm, I'm glad you made, made that trip a success and, and you kind of dealt the hand you were, played the hand you were dealt, which is so that's how, what it's all how about. How much were you off? 
So from the to get the, to beat the 1979 uh, Chevrolet Dually with four drivers with yeah 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 but but a, a 79 in 79 yeah, it doesn't matter four drivers I missed <laughs> I missed what you would say is the fastest truck time by 11 minutes wow That's 11 okay. minutes yeah okay. they they ran 34 hours 52 minutes wow and I came in at 3503. But again, you had, you had a lot of obstacles in your in your path, and and you're just one guy. So yeah, one guy. I mean, think about that. Seventy nine, mm, two yeah. lane, two lane was extreme back then. Yeah, they were filling up for gas. I mean, those guys had to be hauling. That oh, truck. they they had to. Yeah. yeah, and 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 I'll tell you though, I think it's I think it makes for a better story. You know, if it was just you know, oh, you drove coast to coast. Yeah, I left New York, got to LA, yeah, yeah. thirty some hours later, yeah. and then nothing happened. Like I think it's actually that experience yeah. made it even more. It's those fun. stupid stoplights yeah. in New York, man. Yeah. If you hadn't gotten those stoplights, you would have had the time. Although yeah, yeah. I guess I'd rather I, I would rather lose by eleven minutes than one minute. Right. Yeah, exactly. one minute would kill you the rest of your <laughs> exactly. life. Right. The rest of your life. Oh, it's only you like trying minute. to find that minute somewhere in the timers or something like that. Oh, I think there was a discrepancy. I, I have to admit too, because it really wasn't as dramatic until I got home. Because I'll openly admit this, I, I knew that the nonstop time was in the forties, and I actually made a mental mistake when I was looking at the spreadsheet, and I actually thought the truck time was in the forties as well. Oh. And so I'm oblivious to this, you know, so I'm thinking I really wanted to run 33. I end up running 35, man, that's a stout time. You know, I've got the fastest nonstop. I've got the fastest truck time. You know, I I didn't, I didn't write it down. I did because what I thought was the math from my previous runs that I could do it in 33 hours. Well, that would have blown anything over 40 out of the water. Well, I thought the truck time was over 40 as well. So I come tooling home and, you know, think, man, this is great. You know, I got the fastest truck, Hilarious. all this stuff. And I get home and I start documenting stuff and looking. And then the, the 79 dually shows up on the spreadsheet. And I was like, you are kidding me. That has got to be. And a, that's when it hit me. I was back ba- in Peoria. At yeah. least it happened in Peoria. You didn't drive all the way home because <laughs> at some point you might have just, you know, like driven off a cliff or something, yeah, right? Just, just yeah. forgot about it. Yeah. Dr- yeah, driven up to Canada or something. <laughs> well, you've tra- I mean travels in your blood, right? You've lived mm-hmm. you've lived and worked abroad. Yeah. You've been all across all across the world. Mm-hmm. You enjoy travel. What is it about the the thrill of the chase, the adrenaline? I mean, what is it about these particular runs that I have a feeling, and uh, I'm probably not wrong here. You're going to probably do some more of these in your future, or or maybe attempt yeah. uh, another another run cross country. What keeps bringing you back to this? I, I, I mean, I really wish it was kind of a cool, you know, answer. Um, but it's really I, I enjoy traveling. I, I enjoy taking long drives. Um, <laughs> this isn't traveling. Yeah, this isn't I mean, like looking at the palm trees. Yeah. Oh, hey, let's stop and uh, eat at that tasty freeze yeah. that James Dean ate at. No, you're not doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that's true. You know, but like for me, because I do it a lot, like, you know, traveling home to Louisiana, that's a 14-hour drive. Like that that was not a foreign concept to drive all day. Yeah. But then when you stack on to that, this Americana that comes with the Cannonball events and the community and the modern interpretations of those things – it, it's just I'm, I'm fascinated with the the idea, and I think we talked about this last time of it kind of like being the U.S. Open. Like if you're a good enough golfer, like it, like any of us, if we practiced enough and had a little bit of God given talent, you could play in a professional golf tournament. Like there's no restrictions to it. Well, cannonballing is kind of the same way. If you do the work, 
you know, if you invest in it, you know, and it's not like you're trying to run a Formula One team. Well, and you, know, this you can't is buy your way into this you, either. You can't, no. no you, I mean, dude, how many hours were you awake, did you figure? Oh, yeah. I mean, for that run, I was probably awake 37, oh, you yeah. know. You know, or, or you know, because I'd woke up a couple hours before. It's a full work week. So there's there's this there's this brass ring that's out there that says, you know, it's not impossible. It's just you know, if you're willing to do the work and suffer yeah. through it, if you're willing to suffer through this, you could do something that's really interesting and and kind of cool. And I and I'll be honest with you, it wasn't something I necessarily sought out. It was that you know, again, bar talk that got out of control. But now that you've done it, you know, the, the truck is prepped. I've already spent the money. I've already kind of built some experience. And yeah. so now it's kind of out there for you to, to do some different things. You know, admittedly within the confines of what a factory spec, you know, GMC Sierra can do. I'm not going to – I'm never going to be a a record holder at speed. I'm, not, I'm never going to own the overall speed record with that setup. But it kind of has its own little niche in the community, and but there's probably a little life left. Wouldn't in you be a yeah. qualified co-pilot? I would think so. I, I yeah. could rock a pair of binoculars pretty, yeah. Yeah. you know, well, and and support, and you know, it's a, you know, that and and. But what I will admit, though, as cool as it is to to kind of be in the shadow of some of these, you know, folks that are putting up big numbers, I am very aware that is a completely new level of risk profile. Oh yeah, you know yeah. it's it's you know you you running low triple digits. Life on I, the line. Honestly, somebody out there is running low triple digits on most interstates today. You start running one fifty, one sixty, one seventy. You know that's probably outside of my skill set. You know that that is beyond. And and these are people that you know have that skill set. Well, don't sell yourself up. short. They might so. be listening, so I don't want you. To, I don't want you to deprive your resume yeah, of the possibility a, of sure. something like that. So I, I think you hit the nail on the head, though. Exactly. Your story is so compelling because you're driving a 2014 GMC pickup. That's yeah. something that anybody could get. And and put a little time and effort into yeah uh, getting up to speed prepping. They're not just going to you know a Dodge dealer and buying anything with a Hellcat motor and yeah. just tons throwing tons of money at it and just let's do it. Yeah. Um, you're actually you're going about it in a way that is uh, that's attainable and smart. Mm-hmm. And that's what it, it gives people like us like these <laughs> a little bit of hope. Like I, I I could do that too. And then we go home and our wives are like, um, no, absolutely yeah, not. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I I have to wonder if there's room in this world for an analog version of this. I mean. You, you have all this gear, mm-hmm. but there's got to be some guys who are like driving cars with nothing digital, just using a stopwatch and a, and a, a clipboard. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be a record for those guys. Mm-hmm. It, it, it seems yeah. to me like that would be almost as hard, if not harder, than doing what you're doing with all that stuff, all that technology. Yeah. So, it's, if you think about, you know, that that community of people that like those type of events. It seems to be kind of the direction it's going. Um, and and the, as soon as you say that people's times are unbeatable, like with Arnie and Doug on the team run and Fred on the, the solo run, it, everybody always says that. And, and I'm one of the people today that says I don't think anybody can beat those times. Yeah. However, I will I will bet that I'll probably be proven wrong. Yeah. Like that that bar continues so now to get maybe raised. Maybe handicapping ourselves so, might be the only so way. So that's exactly right. Yeah. So now the discussions in that community are look, you you're pushing the envelope 
so far, yeah. you know, and, and so now you start to come up with concepts like we've seen in the past, you know, the 2904 or the C2C Express, you know, those were, you know, cheap car cannonballs. They, they had limitations on mm-hmm. the, the money you the could spend. In it. And, stuff, yeah. and so now there's talk about, you know, making runs with cars with horsepower limitations, you know, or it's, it's kind of that lemons type sure, sure. Know, deal or different historic routes, eras. you know, yeah. of like, you know, or eras of cars yeah. that lets people participate and, and have that thrill and, you know, try to solve the same problem. But now I'm going to handicap you yeah, and, yeah. and say, look, it's got to be a 20 year old car. Yeah, because a, a car that can go 250 miles an hour, uh, it really, that it becomes a menace and you don't want to, you don't want to ruin yeah. the reputation sure. of the event by having some horrible accident or something like that, right? Yeah. You find out those super high speed runs are really, honestly, they're for the elite. Yeah. They're, they're for people that, that know how to do this and have yeah. experience, and, and they take their own gamble. And, but, but, think, but how to, lucky have we been? There's nothing. I mean, you can't even dig for any accidents that have been yeah. terrible or anything from this. Everybody who's done it, I don't want to say they've been super responsible. I haven't been in the cars with them, but uh, you know, God bless them. No terrible accidents. They're, they're taking it seriously and not hot dogging. Like the type of people you see, and they're see, prepping their stuff. Right. They're not taking some mm-hmm. you know ten year old turbocharged something or just beating the crap out of it. And and, and I think (laughs) that's what a lot of people are surprised by, you know, is because, you know, look, you can't just go Hoonigan style and blow across the country. Like your, your job. And, and, and I was fortunate because I listened to people that had done this and talking to people like David and Doug Arnie and other folks that watched my run. Like it's the first piece of advice they'll give you. Nobody on the road should know that this is what you're doing. Yeah. In the sense of they should not pay attention to you. Yeah. yeah. Like hopefully if I did it right, no one on the on the roads knew what I was doing. Flags you on know. the side, cannonball. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. That, that would be stupid. That you should be as, as discreet as possible. <laughs> and, you know, it's what they'll tell you. you. You'll see that in the Vin Wiki videos. You know, you don't pass people at speed. You know, when you're when they're putting up big numbers, they're by themselves. You know, they're away from traffic. You know, yeah. it's at the right time, flat roads. It's, yeah. They know the capabilities of that car. Um, it, because for a number of things, number one, they, they don't want people to call the cops on them. You know, that's who who will get called in for dangerous driving. Yeah, yeah. They don't want to create risk of an accident. They, they don't want to do anything that's going to slow down their, their moving average. So, again, it's counterintuitive because you think you're just screaming as hard as you can go. There's a lot of thought and consideration that goes into it because that will slow you down, get you caught, or cause a problem with your run that you won't set a record. But there are periods in the middle of, say, Nebraska or mm-hmm. Oklahoma where <laughs> the sky's the limit, literally, because there's nobody absolutely. there. Yeah, and the absolutely. roads are generally not like Illinois roads where no. they're you know they're in pretty good yeah. shape. They don't have the freeze thaw things that we have here. So, yeah. no, it's it's it sounds like a lot of fun. Overall, would you do it again? I would. Um, this particular run, would you would you do a a, a, a do over? Eleven minutes is a problem. <laughs> I'll say it like that. It's, like it's you, were, at you. you were so close, yeah. you know, and you know, and then for me, I, what you would say is my little career, you know, as a cannonballer, the the truck will eventually wear out. You know, it's it's a hundred and twenty five thousand miles on it now, and there's plenty of truck left. But but I, I'm kind of aware you can't do this five years from now. I, I don't know if I would physically be able to do it five years from now. I'll be you know north of fifty. You know, oh well God. before then, and so, so old. It's, uh, but so, you know, I think you know now if if you've made that investment, the truck's capable. Like, there's only so much sugar on that lollipop yeah. that's going to be left, and so that's what I, I, I tell all the ladies. Opportunities, yeah. yeah. You know, well, well and and the if you were to do it, let's say 
you know, you know, planning for the, a similar run next year or something like that. Would you pick your your truck right now as it sits, or would you say, I know the I know the platform, I know to build, I can move this into yeah. a brand new well, truck or a year or two old truck? Take take a little I, bit of a different approach. I, I like I like the current truck, and and you know, like we talked about in episode thirty five, it was unintentional. I didn't buy the truck for that. I just kind of lucked into it. Z60s aren't obscure by any means, um, but it's well-suited for it. The newer models, I think, you know, you get into the weight of those trucks. You know, that 2014, that was a new body style year for GM, and there was also new EPA standards. um, Because I actually found the wind tunnel footage for that body style. And so GM had done everything possible aerodynamically to get this brick to be as fuel efficient as possible to meet the new EPA standards. And so I think you start to add all that together, you know, and that it's already had holes drilled in it, you know, for all this stuff. Yeah. Um, I think it's just well suited. You know, it's, 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 you know, discreet. It's a brown pickup truck. It's two wheel drive. It doesn't stand out. And that all those things just made it a perfect candidate for this. I don't know if I could buy one off the showroom today that would be as good as it. Well, I'm thinking too, just in terms of all the you know, people always call it like the nanny stuff that's in the new newer trucks, mm-hmm. newer, newer cars in general, where they have uh, you know automatic braking or uh, you know just sensitivities to lane departure stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Uh, I even think some newer vehicles will actually put a, a speed limit on on uh, they'll actually I think Volvos have started doing that where they they know the speed limit based on GPS for this stretch of road mm-hmm. and they actually will they shut you down they they limit it it's it's not like you know it's seventy here you can only go seventy yeah. but it's like they'll cap it at like ninety five or Ooh, something so you, okay. I'm just thinking in yeah. those instances where you want to do the the blast out in the out in the sticks where there's nobody there it might be like ah ah uh, uh, you know yeah yeah and it, and if you think about that truck it it's got some additional upside that I don't know that I would be willing to to push it to the the fatal flaw of that drivetrain is the uh, drive shafts. Yeah, we so, talked about that. Yeah, so they'll, they'll come apart, you know. Yeah. And so I could do some upgrades there, and then that LS platform of or five, you know, point three. You could do some stuff to it. What's kind of weird about it is, you know, Steve and I talked about this a lot. Is you're going to trade additional horsepower for reliability, you know, because you start to think about, you know, put a blower on it or put something supercharger and like, that's great. Um, but your gas mileage is going to go down and you're going to have reliability issues. You're going to weaken everything up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I got to start winding this down. down. But but here's the one thing I want to point out. Yeah. Episode 35, we brought Steve on the show. We, we didn't know him from Adam really. I mean, we met him at cars and coffee, but we did present to him the concept of cars of the week. And I announced at that time that Steve was possibly the greatest Cars of the Week contestant we'd ever had on the show. It was a, it was a wagon, wasn't it? It was a tur- it like was. a Torino wagon yeah. or something. Yeah, and he exactly. found it on – what was the website you found it on again? Was that uh, it was like Obscure weird. Cars That's for what sale? It was. Obscure it? Cars. Yeah, yeah, because it's all – it's like one of my new favorite Facebook groups. Yeah. I think after yeah, that I show, I'm like, can you invite us to that, that yeah. group? And you're like, yeah. sure. <laughs> And now I spend all my days looking at posts on yeah, that. Pining so, over more yeah. obscure cars. So anyway, we're going to bring back that segment here. Uh, if you don't listen to the regular show, if you're just tuning in because you love Steve, we understand that. But on our regular show, Daryl and I, we break out the virtual currency. Mm-hmm. We dream of cars we can find. It could be some million-dollar ride, but generally speaking, there's something around $10,000. Yeah, and it's generally <laughs> sitting somewhere in Missouri on blocks. But uh, yeah. this time, I found a car, Daryl, on my cars of the week. I was... 
perusing that site that we talked about in the last episode, uh, carfromjapan.com. Okay. And I think I was like all about the Toyota Century, but this time, I, well, I ended up on to- uh, carfromjapan.com because I cannot find a RAV4 coupe convertible anywhere in the states and i tried i went to car gurus i went on facebook marketplace and i did everything i could possibly now these are the two-door this is a two-door first gen rav4 where you actually had a, a soft top option yeah it was basically a suzuki samurai uh that type of thing or the suzu, suzu amigo. amigo amigo yeah oh yeah but the amigo was i think the amigo had a giant four-cylinder like a 2.7 liter or something in it. you could get a v6 in it could you yeah, the you amigo could, you could get a v6 Man. in that thing well anyway the RAV4 was the precursor to all modern SUVs, and that car, when it came out in 96, uh, came out in a four-door for the most part. But they did come out with a Japanese version, which was a two-door, had a pop-off sunroof, and it had a, a vinyl top on the back. There was actually seats back there. It had to be about as dangerous as it gets. It had the swing-out door with a tire and everything on it. So anyway, Cars from Japan, carfromjapan.com, has a blue one. The paint is peeling on this sucker. It has 100,000 kilometers it's a 1998, and like I said, these things are fairly rare. I, I've seen them a couple times. Um, I tell you what, man, I could get my parachute pants and my uh, yeah. and my uh, Adidas <laughs> shoes, and I would be rocking my 90s style. Anyway, this one's a two-wheel drive with an automatic, which is everything I abhor, but I would still do it, and it's going for a cool $7,900 U.S., and that's just getting it to the port in Baltimore. Ooh. And then at that point, I don't even know if I'm getting that sucker titled. So yeah, it's rich. So it's, it's $7,900. Yeah, I mean they're a rare. I've seen a few pop up here in the states, but not. Very I often. saw some in St. Louis. There was two in St. Louis like three years ago, and they were going for like four grand. Was it a yellow one? There might have been a yellow. It was definitely a silver one. Yeah. And somebody put a new vinyl top on the back. I'm just like, why I didn't buy that car is beyond me. But anyway, that's my car of the week choice this week. What Solid. Do you, what do you got, Daryl? Solid pick. Um, I went old school this week. I, I've actually shocker. Several friends uh, have bought and sold Suburbans in recent months, and I thought, you know. I need another SUV in my life, preferably one with an LS motor in it. In his virtual garage. In my virtual garage. Uh, This one actually is not um, a a new one. It's a 62 uh, GMC carry-all. They have it listed as a carry-all Suburban, which is what Suburbans used to be called, carry-all. Clever name. Ah. Uh, but GMC it. came out in the same, I think, same years, thirty-five, and so they just one of the longest-running nameplates of all time now. But this one is—it's uh, red and white. It's uh, been modified, kind of tastefully, like resto modded. It's got a five-three, which Steve would appreciate. Uh, LS motor swapped into it and a five-speed. Not sure if it's a truck five-speed or car five-speed, whatever they put behind it. Four ten gears, so it gets up in boogies. But you got that fifth gear for overdrive, so probably do okay. I wouldn't. Say it's probably cannonball ready, but it's a nice ride. Uh, $33,000 at Gateway's St. Louis wow. showroom down in. <laughs> yeah, thirty-three grand. Suburbans, Blazers, Broncos, anything of that vintage yes, yeah. is crazy. Land Cruisers. Yeah. Oh, Land yeah. Cruisers. Yeah. I saw an International Scout for sale recently. I'm like, oh, that's pretty sweet. White looked like it was nice. We restored it. It was like 70000 and it was sold within two days. So. If you have big money and you want an SUV, that's what it's going to cost to get you a classic one. So if you have one that needs a little bit of work, it's probably a, a good time to invest in them. You might get some of that money. So back. this one almost looks like a lowrider. Is it two-wheel drive? It is two-wheel drive. It's been tastefully lowered, probably three or four inches. Okay. Uh, but it, it does it does retain a little bit of the, its originality. Two-tone, red with a white top, and it's got big, chunky white wall tires on it. So 
Kind of a neat throwback. That's what I picked. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful truck, so good Thanks. choice. It's Thank a little you. bit more rich than your normal selection. So. Yeah, it's probably the most expensive one I picked. That's <laughs> <laughs> 33Gs. All Steve, right. what do you I, got? I, Steve teased me earlier, and I'm like, oh, man. And uh, what do you got here? What is this thing? This thing is weird. Um, so I actually had to do some Internet sleuthing to, to figure out what it was. And actually, talking about imports, it's it's a, a pretty good choice. So my buddy Mark Spence, who's a cannonball guy out of Ohio, he had posted this on his page. He he, he kind of buys and sells cars, and it's a terrible Facebook marketplace listing out of Macon, Georgia. <laughs> Pictures are horrible. It's like like half, there's no description. Half on a the picture car. of the car. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. they're awful. And so it's this car, and it says 1986 Ford Mustang. You look at the first picture, and it looks like. Kind of a weird Ford Mustang hmm. in the front. And at first glance, it's a Ford Mustang. And you start to s- go through the pictures, and it's a ute. It's a right-hand drive ute. No kid From Australia? And so I had to do some sleuthing <laughs> on it, and it is what I can determine to be a late 80s Ford Falcon from Australia. Wow. And so, and I've always thought those cars were super cool, whether it's the Holdens or anything that's kind of in that Ute category. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And this thing's in Macon, Georgia, and the guy wants 3000 bucks for it. Now, what's kind of sketchy, and I, I reached out to Mark, and I was like, Mark, are you interested in that car? Or what's the deal with this? He said the guy's super sketchy, doesn't respond well, you know, and his deal fell through <laughs> on it. But what was enticing about it is the car's covered in mold, the interior's trashed. But it basically looks like a Mustang interior switches. So you could get everything you need I think fairly you could, cheap, right? Yeah. And huh. while the car's been neglected, the body's straight. You know, from what you can see with the pictures, you don't see any rust. Um, I think it would be a fantastic project car that you could probably still get parts for. And again, a right hand drive. You could probably move it to left hand drive. Mustang. I would leave it right if I okay. could get away with it. Yeah. I think yeah. it's cool. You know, show up to Cars if, and Coffee with something like that. But if you had problems decision. getting the, the stuff for it, you could just buy a beater donor car, a Mustang, right. and just exactly. move everything over. That's exactly. one thing I haven't seen a lot of. Uh, usually when people talk about Utes, they're talking about the older Holdens. Yeah, you know, that's right. 60s, 70s, even older than that. Yeah. Uh, they still make them. They're still popular. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know Ford was kind of doing that with the Falcon chassis. That's I didn't cool. either because I'm actually on it, Google. It missed our episode. We had yeah. That was like our whole uh, car challenge too. Yeah, absolutely. Because I was on Google typing Mustang Ute. You know, and trying to, to backtrack into the Falcon like, what is you know, model. And so I just thought it was super cool. Um, I, I suspect that the car's not titled in the U.S. Or there's something weird going on with it. Because oh, okay. it just, you can tell it's yard art at this point. It's with a bunch of other cars. but Again, donor car. It'd be all right. I think it would be fantastic. <laughs> Get it running. Oh, well, here's the other part that made it really awesome was it's badged 5.8 liter. So remember the Mustangs, you've got the 5.0? Yeah. This one is badged 5.8. That means it's 351. Yeah. yeah. Now, when I looked at the Wikipedia page for Falcons, they didn't. Sh- they showed a couple of years where they put a 5-liter in it. So I don't know if somebody's messed with the car. But to have a light tail end like that and have a 351 up front in, in that car, I think it would be a monster. It would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Dude, but yeah, with an open back end. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You need some cheap tires yeah, all the time. Do. Just a, a lifetime supply <laughs> of hand-cooked tires. So. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. I, I, I want to wind this show up, but I, I just want to ask you one last question. And this is just yes or no. Are you going to do something else? You got something else planned right now? 
Yes. All right. That's all we yeah, need. That's it. That's you heard it here. <laughs> and it's a pleasure, as always, Steve Brown. Um, I know we'll see you in the cars and coffee scene here. Uh, and we're not sure what this year is going to bring. Sure. But uh, we were we were fortunate enough last year to, I mean, have a lot of cars and coffee. The Friday Night Lights series mm-hmm. ran. They've locally. done a great job maintaining, keeping things active. Hats off. Great and, and job. Everybody, everybody's respectful at those events, and uh, you always put on a great show there. So hopefully when, when things roll up here in the spring, <laughs> whenever that comes in the yeah. Midwest, yeah. Uh, we look forward to seeing you in the truck and uh, having some laughs again. Yeah, look forward to seeing you guys there. Yeah, thanks again for sharing your story. Uh, thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed it. We'll put a link up to uh, Steve's Steve's great follow on Instagram, and he's all over the TikTok and everything else. So we'll put some links up to some social media if you want to follow Steve's happenings. And then uh, also, if you want to give any other shout-outs to uh, VinWiki or uh, Steve Steve Peterson. Yeah, Steve Steve Peterson at Steve's Automotive in Bartonville, he's... He's the backbone to this whole effort. He's he's made the truck bulletproof and capable uh, to do what it does. So really appreciate all of his help and everybody in the Cannonball community that's been welcoming and cool. ensured a good time. Yeah, thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Shorty, where'd you get all that jewelry? Why do you call me Shorty? Because you're small. Small. Uh, S-M-R. <laughs>